Father, we thank You that not only are You our Father and Judge, You are our good and loving Savior. And God, we thank You that it's the kindness that leads us to repentance. The kindness of the Lord, the mercy and sovereignty of God that recognizes our need and gently pulls us toward Him. And God, I pray this morning that You would take this time, Father, to alert our hearts, to awaken our spirits. And Lord, if there's one that doesn't know You today, I pray that You would draw them by the power of Your Spirit. God, for those who come and are experiencing difficulty, dryness, and pain, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to them and that you would remind them of your great faithfulness, that you are God who sees, who cares, who hears, and who comes and responds. And so, Lord, we ask this morning that as we lift your word, that you would speak to us through your word, that we would encounter you in a real and personal way. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We're continuing a five-point series uh, through the book of Exodus. Overall arching title is Unstoppable Salvation, How God Comes to Man. And uh, today we're going to look specifically at encountering God. How do we encounter God? And uh, you, uh, the, the little video gave you a good background of kind of what's occurred up to this point. And uh, we're going to be reading from Exodus chapter 3 today. At Exodus chapter 3, uh, beginning with the first verse. And of course we'll get to that famous story of the burning bush, one of the more popular stories in the Old Testament. A bush where Moses is spoken to through the Spirit of God, through, actually, I believe, Jesus Christ speaking through that bush. And here's the question we need to ask ourselves today. Are burning bushes still happening today? And when I say that, are there ways in which we encounter God or can encounter God today? Are there things that God does to get our attention, to arrest our attention to speak to us, to move us? And I would say, yes, it may not be a literal burning bush, but I believe there are things that happen today still to this point where God speaks. I think about my own life, and I know you've heard a lot of these stories before, but I think about the time that I was in college, and I went to this retreat my freshman year in college, and I went to this retreat, and they were doing a time where they were commissioning people who had been to Africa and other people were talking about how they had been in Africa uh, the, the summer before and how they had spent 10 weeks with no electricity and no running water. And I remember watching that and hearing that and going, you are insane. Why would you do that? I mean, I love God and all, but I'm not, I'm not doing that whole not take a bath, not have any clean water thing. That just sounds nuts. And I remember God just kind of convicting me a little bit as I listened to those testimonies. And I said... You know, I just remember praying and saying, God, if you're speaking to me, if that's something you want me to do, you know, I just chalked up, I don't have a desire. I don't want to. You know, that's somehow we think God speaks. I don't want to do it. So that's God saying, no. You know, that's what we think. And that's us being our own God, quite frankly. That's what you're doing at that point. But uh, I said, here's what, God, I'm going to pray this prayer. And I'll pray it as often as I remember. God, change my heart. Give me a heart that I'd want to do something like that. Because right now it's not on my radar. I don't want to do anything like that. Matter of fact, I don't like this place because the air's not cool enough right now. You know what I mean? I, that, that's where I am. I'm soft, okay? And I began to pray that prayer, and God began to grow me 
through the next couple of years. And I remember two years later, I was thinking, I want to do this. And um, I, get, I got ready. As a matter of fact, it was exactly three years later, and I, I applied, and they weren't going to uh, Africa that year. Uh, they, they weren't sending any groups there, and they said, but we, we will send you to, uh, to the Philippines. And it was a transformational time, but I go back to that bush moment where God spoke and said, I want you to start praying this. You know, and even getting here, I, I won't bore you with all the details, but I, I think of the stories where God, times where God spoke, and it was, there were times where I wasn't comfortable. There were times where I was, or excuse me, I was comfortable. Things were okay where I was, but God was speaking. And I, I think a lot of times we see those things and we just go, I'm busy right now. I'll come back later. Or, you know, I, that's not for me. Or, you know, that was probably just my imagination. Or that's not the way. God doesn't do things like that anymore. That's kind of the way we ride it off a lot of times. But the real truth of it is, is that I believe God still is speaking and moving today. The question is, are we listening? Now, there are, I think, at least three reasons, and we're going to talk about some real practical ways at the end of the sermon that we can encounter God, but there are at least three reasons, three ways today, just in general, that I think God speaks to us. The first one is this, and sometimes we miss it, is through spiritual emptiness. Spiritual emptiness. We come to that place where we feel like, just flat. I don't know if this is real. I don't even know what's going on. And God has removed uh, all the amenities of our faith, all the feelings. He's removed from us the easy faith mentality, the easy opportunities. And it, it just has become a little difficult. And we just kind of go, it's kind of empty. It's kind of dry. And at that point, you can make the decision to go, I'm not going to do this anymore. Or I'm just going to take a break and I'm not going to do anything anymore. Or you can say, God, is there something that you're speaking to me about? Are you moving in my life? Have I become content to just exist? Sometimes it's through success. And sometimes it's through good success where we recognize the favor and the blessing of God. But sometimes it's when we have success and we get what we wanted. And then in a couple of months, we're like the kid at Christmas who wanted the, the big race car set. And in a couple of months, like, eh, I don't really like that anymore. I want this. I want that. We get the BMW, we get the big house, we get the promotion, we get some more money or whatever, and we think, now I'm happy. And we forget there are a whole lot of other areas in our world going on. Children and spouses and work and school. And, and it's almost naive enough to think, if I can get this one thing, then that will make me. But the truth of it is we were not made for this world, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago. And there's always going to be a yearning for something more, and that is to be in the complete holy presence of the holy and living God. And so there's always going to be a little yearning, a little emptiness, even for the believer, till we completely experience him in his fullness. And then the third way sometimes is just when we hit rock bottom. Sometimes that's just a burning bush. I got nowhere else to go. I got nothing else I can do. I'm broken. And we can try to medicate that. We can try to run for that. Or we can say, God, are you speaking? I'm ready to hear. I'm ready to listen. Whether it's going to Haiti or whether it's teaching a preschool class or whether it's being called to get on my knees and fast and pray, God, I'm, I'm ready to start. It's sharing my, with my neighbor. Whatever it is. The question is not, is God speaking? The question is, are we listening? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus chapter 3, verse 1, and let's look at this story. <clears throat> now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, 
his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert. Right there we see that Moses has been led away from his normal routine. Matter of fact, that word in the Hebrew can also be translated detour. He was a, there was a detour. He usually didn't go this far away. It was traditional shepherds would not get, uh, they would not get more than a day's journey away from their home base. But this is probably at least two days journey. And we don't know if it's because there wasn't adequate food. Maybe there's a drought. We, we don't know what's going on, but he is further away. And the Bible tells us that he is detoured, uh, to basically to the other side, to the far side of the mountains, not an area that he had come to, uh, before that he was used to. And he's there, and, and I think there's a message for us that often God speaks to us in our detours. So many times we have life so relegated and so regimented that I'm only going to do this, and I don't look to the side. And often it's when God kind of gives us a little detour, when he kind of takes us off our path, that our eyes can be open, that we can see and we can know and we can hear from him. Moses' whole life is a detour, by the way. If you remember, he was born, he was a prince, so to speak, uh, an, uh, an adopted one at that, but he was uh, a leader in Egypt. He was a leader amongst his people. Life was as good, it was the best uh, for him as any Israelite, certainly in all the land. And he is making things happen. He is on the good and straight path. Uh, he is in, in progress and success. And then what happens? He does something stupid and he finds himself in the desert. And he's been in the desert now for close to 40 years. He's been there for a long time. So his whole life has been a detour. Maybe you feel like right now that your life's in a detour. Can I tell you, there's always a burning bush in the detour. It may not be what you're looking for or what you want, but God is speaking and moving. It's not always at the right time for us. Certainly Moses would agree with that statement. And he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, there's a lot of debate. Is Horeb and Sinai the same place? Most conservative scholars would say that Horeb and Sinai are the same place. They had different names. That wasn't uncommon. The mountain of God. Uh, we at least know this. It was part of the same range. They were in the same vicinity at a minimum, if not the same mountain. And there, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. There, the angel of the Lord. Now, What's, what are we talking about right here? The angel of the Lord. Now, there certainly are times when we see angels are used by God. Certainly, uh, we see that at the announcement of Christ's birth. Uh, an angel comes and speaks to, um, to Mary. So that we know there are angels that come from uh, various times. But that's a different type of... This right here is a definite article. The angel of the Lord. And the definite article implies deity here. Okay? And this is another name, I believe for the person of Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity. I want you to remember that when we say God, we mean the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So this is God speaking, but it's the Son. The Son who mediates for us. The Bible tells us in Hebrews that God has sent His Son, Jesus, who is our mediator, who speaks for us. Because God is holy and perfect. And because God could not look upon sin, He sent His Son to be our atonement and to be our mediator for us. Okay, so I believe personally this is Christ speaking. And you might say, well, I thought Christ wasn't more until I... No, Christ is eternal. He's God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. He came in the form of man to this earth, but he is pre-existent. The Bible says 
Therefore, there the Lord appeared to him in the flame from the bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up? You know, Moses could have said, you know, I've seen fires before. It'll burn out here in a minute. Or, you know, I'm just worn out with all these sheep. I'm not about to walk over there. But Moses was probably in that place to where he was empty. He had been a prince, and now he's a desert shepherd. He's in retirement, and I guess this is kind of the end of my life. And now he's on a little detour to a new area, and he sees a bush burning. He decides to go over to it. Now, you know, different scholars have tried to explain, what in the world was going on here with this whole bush thing? You know, there's the St. Elmo's fire theory that it was an electrical storm and it gave the appearance of a fire there. Uh, some have said it was a volcano, which I don't even begin to understand that one. Uh, others have said, you know, sometimes there are plants called gas plants that uh, emit oil. And when the sunlight becomes too intense on it, they will burst into flames. Uh, that, that certainly could happen, but that doesn't explain the voice of God and the fact that it's burning but not being consumed. Moses sees this, and he knows this is different. And he decides not to just run past it. He decides to go over, the Bible says. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him within the bush. Moses, Moses, he personally calls him. We have a God who personally calls us. He says, Moses, Moses. And Moses says, here I am. And what does God say? Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Now, in our culture, people sometimes take off their shoes before they come in the house because we want to be respectful. We don't want to dirty up the floors. But that's not really the picture that's being given here. In, in the Eastern culture, to take off your shoes before someone showed great honor and on for who they were, but also unworthiness for who you are. That's why slaves often did not have shoes on or when they did... Uh, come before uh, one of honor, their master, they would take their shoes off. And it was a picture of their unworthiness. And you remember how in the parable of the prodigal son, how the son comes back and he's barefooted and the father said, bring sandals and place them on his feet. It was a sign of equality, a sign of full acceptance of worthiness and of value and of great worth. But here God says, he's showing us a picture of his holiness. Moses, take off your shoes. This is a picture of the total depravity of Moses, that he is not holy, that he is not clean, that he is not without sin. And we have a holy God who is. You know, what's interesting to me is so many times we've talked about this before. We want to kind of come up with our own God. Sometimes fundamentalist mentalities come up with this attitude that God is judge. God is holy. And so we do what he said, and that's what following God is. That's who our God is. And then we have those who are just a little bit different, or a lot different, and say, well, God is love, God is kindness, he's mercy, he's all the good things. He's just forgiveness. That's who my God is. And we try to adopt the God that we think fits us best. The problem is, is God is not adaptable to what you want and desire. That's not who he is. He's independent of what you think God should be. And so when we adopt this God, we've adopted a false God in our mind that he's just he's just loving and kind. He's just a grandfather. That's who God is. And when we say, 
God is judge and that's who he is. And we limit him to that aspect. Then we've also shrunken him or really made an idol out of a legalistic mentality. The truth of it is, is God is both. He is holy and he is merciful. He is judge and he is love. And he will not be placed in our little boxes. So here, he recognizes the holiness. This is the holiness of God. Take off your shoes, Moses, for where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord goes on to say four things here to let him know that he is involved, that he recognizes what's going on. And these are four good words for us to remember today, particularly when we feel like God is not moving and we don't hear from him. The Lord says, I have indeed seen the misery of my people. God says, I see it. I see it. And I've heard their crying out because of their slave drivers. I I not only see your condition, I've heard your prayers. I hear your cries. I hear what you are feeling and what you are expressing. He continues and he says, and I'm concerned about their suffering. I see it. I hear it. And I want you to know I'm concerned. I want you to know I have compassion. And then what does he say? So I have come down. There's a picture of the gospel right there, isn't it? That Jesus sees our need. That Jesus hears our prayers. That Jesus has compassion and mercy for us. And that he came down to earth to save us. And so I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, uh, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and the Mosquito Bites. And now, I'm just glad you're all listening. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am, so now I am sending you to Pharaoh, to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Don't you know Moses had probably been praying and crying out to God for years and for years. When he lived in Egypt, God, rescue my people. Do something here. Even in the desert, he probably continued to pray for his family and the restoration process. And What's interesting to me is he begins to pray and now he's got... God speaking directly to him, and he said, and God tells him, I want you to go. You find a bit of irony in that? I want you to do so. Can I tell you this? I think that's the way God does it most of the time. Most of the time we cry out, cry out and we go, God, I want you to do something. Do you see those people, how they're suffering? Do you see this need in my family? God, do something. You know where I believe God almost always starts? Okay, I want you to do something. I want you to go and I want you to help. I want you to begin to pray. I want you to go and lay hands upon them. I want you to go and share hope with them. I want you to financially get involved. I want you to give your time. I want you to give your research. I want you to help them get connected to the right places and the right people. I believe prayers 
of that nature, usually God starts with, okay, let's start with you. Now, I recognize that sometimes you can't heal cancer, but you can pray. God wants you to begin to pray, to fast. God wants to ask you to begin to work. I know you can't fix your children, but God wants you to begin to do everything that you can through his power and trust what you cannot do to him. He always starts with us. It continues here, and the Bible says, Moses said, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. I will be with you. This is, this is part, actually, a, a kind of a nuance of the covenant name of God that we'll see in a moment. He said, I'm going to be with you. And this will be the sign to you that I, that is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Years later, uh, what's they say years later, probably a year later, we don't know the exact amount of time, Moses will be at this place uh, sometime later, and it will be at the Mount Sinai. The people will be encamped in that very area, that very vicinity, that very place. He said, you'll know. You'll know without any doubt. You'll understand this burning bush moment. And it's full fruition. It continues and says, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell him? And Moses, God says to Moses, I am who I am. That is what you were saying to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And we see that and we go, well, what is that? I mean, yeah, it's the, the covenant name of God that will be used from this point forward, but what is that? You know, and basically he says, I, I am Yahweh. And Yahweh became such a holy and respected name, the covenant name, that it would not be spoken by the people. And it would only be spoken by the high priest once a year at Passover because of their great reverence for the name. But... They would use the term Lord, actually, is what they would usually typically. That's how we would translate it today. That's how they would refer to him. But when we see that term, I am, what does that mean? Well, let me give you at least three components of what that is. The first one is this, that I am the God who truly exists. I am the true and living God. I am the one who really exists. There are many gods that are worshipped out there, but I am the real God who actually exists. The second aspect is, is that I'm a God who independently exists. I'm not dependent upon anything else. It doesn't matter what you do or anybody else does. I'm not dependent upon any resource or any other source. I am completely independent. And thirdly, I am unchangeable. I am eternal and I am unchanged. My character will not be changed. You may see me. Give mercy and kindness and grace, but it does not change the character of who I am. So my character is unchanging. I am independent. I am eternal. And I am the true and living God. That's who I am. And God said to Moses, now say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers and the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation 
to generation. So what are some things that we can learn from this story? Well, first of all, let's just look at a couple of things before we encounter God, before we encounter our burning bush, so to speak. First of all, it's imperative that we know him. Our first encounter will always be this, that we come to recognize who God is and our need for Jesus Christ and his grace and forgiveness. So first of all, that's how we encounter God is through what we call salvation, what we call making a commitment to Christ. Secondly, we begin to understand and follow his moral will. We've talked about there's three aspects of his will before there's just a creed that this is going to happen regardless. Thus saith the Lord, uh, Jesus is coming again, okay? Then there is the permissive will, which God gives us room to maneuver and to live our lives, and sometimes we choose to sin in that. But then there's the moral will by which he desires for us to live by. Uh, The Ten Commandments would certainly be part of that. Uh, The moral will. So, Number one, we know Christ. Number two, we are seeking to live by his will, by his more will, follow his more God. And thirdly, um, would be this, that we have a good conscience. We've talked about this before. What is a good conscience? Where there's a seared conscience, where we've become addicted to things and where we've sinned so much that we just continually try to hide from it. We try to erase the fact that there are things in our lives that, that there shouldn't be there. And we don't want to deal with, and that's a seared conscience, and we come to believe that it's all okay. This is all all right. I don't have to confess this. I don't have to deal with it. That's why our conscience is seared. Then there's a weak conscience. A weak conscience is one that I'll do what's right as long as it doesn't cost me anything. As long as no one's really watching, I'll try to be okay. But if something opposes me, I'll back down pretty quick on my values and what I believe in. The good conscience is just that. I am ascribing to do what's right. I know Christ. I'm seeking to follow him in obedience according to his moral will and his desired will. And and I'm just doing that out of a heart because I love him. Okay? And that's where we've got to be to begin with. So that's where we're trying to come to, to encounter him, to know him, to understand and obey his moral will and have a good conscience. Now, what are some ways that we can actually do this? Well, let's talk about a few. Uh, Certainly, there are the spiritual disciplines, and many of you are practicing a, a, a spiritual discipline of fasting in some way, whether it be from caffeine or sugar or food itself or media or whatever you're doing during this time of Lent. Matter of fact, that's what these commitments are upon this cross right here. Uh, but another one is, uh, let me give you ten, ten ways that you can encounter God, ten ways to prepare your heart and to recognize. Number one is through grace. Recognize the grace that God has given us. Recognize the grace that has been extended to you for all the blessings that you have in your life. Okay? That God's goodness and His mercy, He has given it to you by grace. And when I recognize that, I recognize how God, uh, that, that helps me to encounter Him. Number two, through koinonia. What's koinonia? It's, that's a little church word for fellowship. When we come together and begin to do life spiritually together, uh, through small groups and through Bible studies, uh, through discipleship, when we come together in the body of Christ to edify and encourage one another. Uh, in, 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 the sensor, in our senses, so to speak, uh, and we'll say I use the word sensory. What do I mean by that? In Romans chapter 1, Paul tells us how we can experience God through nature. That nature itself reveals that there is a God. Through the beauty of the world, through the beauty of things that God has placed in our life. That can be times where we stop and we're still and we can encounter him. 
through Scripture as we read. And if you don't know how to study Scripture, then we want you to be discipled. And you can mark that today on the back of your bulletin, and we'll help you with that. We'll go through that process. But through the reading of Scripture and the knowledge and understanding of the Scripture, God speaks through sharing, through sharing of our time, of our resources, of our faith. As we begin to share, we get to begin to encounter God in a more meaningful way. Through the aesthetics, as we just talked about. And when I say aesthetics, through sacrifice, through sacrificial giving, through sacrificing our time, through giving up substances in our life in order to focus on God. When we make our heart fertile and palatable to hear from Him. Through praise, as we tell people of what God is doing in our life, of how He has blessed us, of things that are going of answer to prayer, as we sing and give praise to Him, we can encounter Him. You know, in a few moments here, we're going to have a time where we sing again. I invite you to do that. Sometimes we miss out because we fail to praise and to give Him worship. And it's the primary purpose for which we were created, is to give worship to God. Through suffering. Sometimes in our suffering, as C.S. Lewis says, God simply whispers in our everyday life. But He screams in our pain. Pain is the megaphone of communication that God uses in our life. When we get to that place that we talk about where we're, we're broken, we can choose to medicate. We can choose to run away. Or we can say, God, here am I. As Moses said, here am I. What do you need from me? And we can begin to take these steps that we're talking about right now. First would be prayer. Where we really get on our face and say, God, I'm going to stay here. And I know, hey guys, let me just tell you, I'm ADD. All right, I'm just going to again make that confession. My mother, who's the elementary counselor, told me. And uh, so I, I have it from a good source. All right, so I get that. All right. And I'm unmedicated. If you are, that's good. You probably should be. I, I probably need to be, but I'm not. And so you don't know anybody that it's harder for them to focus than me. OK, so the only way I can focus, I literally have to go in and I have to clear out. I've got this office. I have nothing on the wall. I have nothing. It's just blank. And I just walk in there with my Bible, and my notes, because if I see something, I'll just I'll get gaze. If the door opens, I mean, I can't do anything. I just because I have such a hard time focusing. And sometimes I just have to sit there and just say, God, help me to focus because I start praying. And the next thing I know, I'm I'm thinking about I didn't mow the lawn today. Did I did I take a bath this morning? You know, I mean, I just start going through all these things and I, I mean, they're nothing. And they're just my little ADD thoughts flying all over the place. And I just have to sit there and just wait. And I think God does that on purpose. You know what I mean? So that I will just take the discipline. To just, and, and let me tell you, and sometimes I don't do it. Sometimes I miss the bush. Oh, I got to get over here. I, didn't do, I can't believe I didn't do that. I didn't do this. It affects me at night. This is not a therapy session. I'll just shut up right now. But I'm just telling you, I don't care what your thing is. And I know how hard it is, but it, when it comes down to it, it's time and discipline. If I can do it, I promise you, you can do it. Okay? Most of you who know me would say that. Oh, I absolutely am. All right? The last one is the sacraments. or sacrament, Being sacramental. We don't really practice sacraments here, but I, I'll use this term. We, use, we do ordinances of... It's really, I'm using the, the term interchangeably here. Today, we'll have a time of communion. That's a time for you to encounter God. As you pray and as you remember how He gave up His body to be beaten and stripped and broken on our behalf, 
when we think about how his blood poured from his veins, willingly, even though he was without sin because he loved us, so that we might be covered. The Bible says that he might atone for our sins. That's a time to experience God, to encounter God. During baptism, as we will have people baptized here next week, as we recognize how they were dead in their sins, but now they've been raised in a new way of life. They've been raised, forgiven of their sins. It's a time to think and to recognize that God is real, that He's moving, that He's speaking. Through the baby dedication, as we pray over somebody who's going to Haiti and going into missions, those are times to stop and think, God, speak to me. God, what are you asking of me? God, are you asking me to go to Haiti? Or are you asking me to go into the preschool area? God, I'll do. I'm going to say, yes, God, do you want me to share with my neighbor? Do you want me to fast and pray this week? What is God calling you to do? It's not, it's not a matter of whether he's speaking. It's a matter of whether we're responding. Now, you may say, but I just, I'm not hearing. It's because we haven't taken the discipline to recognize some of these facets. I encourage you to go back and exercise the spiritual disciplines. There's a great book called uh, the Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. It was transformational for me, especially with my condition, okay? I just want to encourage you to recognize that God is speaking. But are you seeing the bushes and running away? I'm busy, I tell you. i got so much to do. I don't know. I'm not sure that thing was for somebody else. That was probably just something I made up in my mind. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm giving you an example of how I think sometimes. But that doesn't erase the fact. That God is speaking. Let me conclude with this. And I know you've heard this story a thousand times. I'm going to share it a thousand and one for you, okay? Seven years ago, we were in a position where we had to move. We had to leave where we were. We only had a couple more years. And we had been looking and praying. I told the whole church, go look and find, see if you can find some property, see if you can find something. And nothing was happening. Nothing was panning out. Everything, every door was closed. We were looking, I remember one day I was driving out here. It was long before this road was ever being worked on. Can't even really imagine that right now, can you? But this, there was a point when they weren't working on this road one time. And uh, we're driving over here, and I was coming back from someplace, and we didn't look. This isn't supposed to be where my burning bush was because we couldn't afford this area. Plus, as I'm driving down the road, I, I was even praying. I saw that sign. I thought, my, here were my first ADD thoughts. Well, our church, there's a lot of our church members. Somebody's probably already called on that. There's no way we could afford it. I'm sure other churches have called this property before. I mean, all those thoughts came to my mind. And I could have just driven on by. There was a part of me, let's just keep going. But no. All right, so I'm going to call. And you know the story. We call, and the first answer was, no, we're not interested in selling to you. And, um, you know, and I thought about it. Okay, we're just going to keep asking, keep going. said, okay, my husband happens to be there. Go over and see him. I told you the story before how we were almost a mile from here, probably about three-quarters of a mile from here. We began to walk, and we walk, and we come to the spot. I would say it would be, I could almost promise you, it's about where this auditorium is right now, right right where this worship center. And we stopped. And Mr. Bunn looks at me, and he goes, God told me to give you whatever you need. I said, what do you feel like God's leading you? What place is that? He goes, right here. Guys, this is holy ground. Every time I t- tell that story, chills come up and down my spine. That seven years ago, it wasn't by accident that you're sitting here. This didn't happen by accident. 
There was a burning bush and it was going off. And God said, this is the ground in which people will come and worship. Did you read that while ago in that text? He said, this is how you know. Later on, the people will come and they will worship at this spot. Hey, God is speaking and he's moving. Are you listening? Do you know him? If you know him, are you seeking to live by his in obedience? And if you're seeking to live by obedience, are you opening yourself up saying, okay, God, whatever. It may not feel right. It may not look right. But I'm open. Lord, use me.